welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're breaking down Conference Championship Saturday 2023 for the college football season. We're going to be breaking it down from a DFS perspective, talking about how you are going to want to build your lineups on DraftKings and FanDuel for this kind of, I guess you could say, last of the regular season, if this is still regular season, but it's the last of the big-time college football slates that we're going to see here this year. It is a full eight-game slate where we've got every Conference Championship game that is being played on Saturday to choose from, and so there is a lot of guys to choose from and this is kind of like the last hurrah for like the big slate college football dfs right by the time sunday comes around we're going to have our college football playoff we're going to know who's in it uh and then bowl season is going to start soon after that hey and you guys always know who I'm repping, my Texas Longhorns. Um, and, you know, hopefully the chips will fall where they may, and, and Texas will be able to sneak into the playoff this Saturday. But, um, you know, even if it hasn't, it's been one heck of a season, one, one heck of a fun ride, and um, just kind of a great college football season. And, and I'm really hoping that we can make this Saturday a great one ourselves, and then let's make a great bowl season as well. So if you are new to the YouTube channel or the podcast or the audio feed, um, you know, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. You'll be notified when new episodes drop. Like the rest of our college football content all the way through bowl season and the college football playoff. Like all of our weekly NFL content that comes out as well and all of our college basketball content that comes out as well. Because, hey, if you play college football DFS and you're successful at college football DFS, then you have the necessary skills skills to be successful at college basketball DFS. Uh, not as many people play it um, compared to NBA, just like college football compared to NFL. There's not as much of an edge from, you know, people who have inside info. If you're willing to do a little bit of research and willing to, you know, take the time and, you know, watch podcasts or watch videos and listen to podcasts like this, then you'll be successful at college basketball DFS. So if you hit that subscribe button, you'll be notified when all those episodes drop as well. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into this slate. We're going to take a look at all the games and tell you what games you need to be targeting for your lineups. Then we're going to break down the top plays at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. Let's go ahead and dive in. I do not know how I forgot to mention this um, in the intro, but if you were looking for preview and picks for Friday's slate, uh, make sure you check out the audio feed for that. We did an audio-only episode for Friday's slate. Um, link is in the description on YouTube to both the Spotify and Apple um, you know, audio feeds. Um, if you're listening to this on audio, just go ahead and scroll right on down to the next episode, um, and you will find the preview for Friday's slate, because we do have two fine conference championship games being played on Friday night, and we do have a very nice little DFS slate um, with a lot of strategy involved for those two game. So check out that episode if you've not already. But let's go ahead and take a look at the board for the games that we've got Saturday. Um, all the point spreads and um, lines and totals courtesy of FanDuel Sportsbook. So um, looking at these games, there are um, kind of a few anomalies about this conference championship slate. So most conference championship games are actually rematches from the regular season, and there are not very many of those here on this Saturday slate. It's kind of staggering how few of them there are, especially considering both the Friday's games are rematches. There's also not a lot of super high point totals here on this slate. It's a little more balanced kind of going from the top to the bottom. So we're going to kind of run through all of them really quickly. Um, the highest point total um, for any game on the slate is Boise State versus UNLV, the Mountain West Championship championship. Boise's two and a half point favorites. Total is 58 and a half. Um, and so it's projected to be about 30 to 28 in favor of Boise, which is kind of surprising to me considering how both these teams run the ball a whole lot. Um, they must be expecting these teams to have a lot of success just running up and down the field on each other. But the highest individual team total of the slate belongs to my Texas Longhorns. They're 14 and a half point favorites against Oklahoma State. Total is 54 and a half, meaning that the total is implied to be about 34 
four to 20 in favor of Texas. This game is not a rematch from the regular season as the Big 12 was made bigger this year. So, um, you know, you do not get, you know, a, a full round robin and then a rematch in the conference title game. Now, Georgia versus Alabama is actually the game with the second highest game total on the slate, which I thought was kind of surprising. But then again, when you look at the last two times these teams have played, 33 to 18 and 41 to 24 back in the 2021 season. So when these two teams play each other, they put up points. Now, granted, you did have Bryce Young and Stetson Bennett in those games, along with a whole bunch of other guys that are still in the NFL. But I think you can kind of attribute it a little bit to Nick Saban knows Kirby Smart's defense and Kirby Smart knows Nick Saban's defense. They kind of know how to attack each other. Um, and it does kind of lead to some points being scored. Um, anyway, the total on this one's 55 and a half. The implied score is about 31 to 25 in favor of Georgia. Um, so both teams projected 25 points in this one. That, that there's going to be some scoring in that SEC title game. App State versus Troy is next on the list, total at 52.5. Troy's uh, five and a half point favorites, so it's projected to be about 29 to 24 in favor of Troy. Um, this one is also not a rematch of a regular season Sunbelt game. And then you have SMU taking on Tulane in the American title game. Um, this one, Tulane is three and a half point favorites. Um, the total is implied to be about 25 to 22. Um, and then with an equal total is Florida State versus Louisville. Um, and that one is implied to be about 25 to 23 in favor of FSU. Um, you know, FSU is only two and a half point favorites, whereas um, Tulane was three and a half point favorites. Then you have the two lowest scoring games of the day, and they come from the good old Midwestern United States. The MAC championship game, Miami, Ohio versus Toledo, is implied to be 26 to 19 in favor of Toledo. That game is a rematch. It was 21 to 17 in favor of Toledo earlier in the season. Miami of Ohio runs the ball and runs the ball and runs the ball till they can't anymore. Um, and so it doesn't shock me that this one has a low total, even though that Toledo offense is pretty prolific. If they're not on the field, they can't score. And then the lowest total of the day, Michigan taking on Iowa in the Big Ten title game. Michigan is 22.5 point favorites, and the total is only 34.5, meaning if I did my math right, which I think I did because I'm a high school math teacher, um, it's implied to be about, um, in favor of rounding, 28-6 to six in favor of Michigan. Now, I, I know there's some Iowa fans that, you know, listen to this, and, and you know, I kind of give the Iowa offense grief, and I'm giving them grief all season, but... Man, to be implied only six points in a conference championship game is a rough scene. Um, and I think if there's any one team that you can just cross off your DFS board altogether, it's Iowa. However, I've said this before, if everybody's crossing them off and nobody's playing them and, you know, you get one guy who happens to score two touchdowns, that's going to become one heck of a play. Now, granted, I don't think that's very likely. You know, I don't think Iowa's going to be scoring a lot of points in this one. I think that punter's going to be out on the field quite a lot, and he is one good punter. But uh, I just see this as being a very uphill battle for the Iowa Hawkeyes taking on Michigan. All right, so now let's go ahead and take a look at the board and talk about the quarterback position. So um, this is not a very pretty slate at the quarterback position. You've got some really good quarterbacks um, playing Friday night with the Conference USA and the Pac-12 title game. Check out that episode if you haven't already, by the way. Um, and then you've got a lot of fine quarterbacks that are sitting at home this weekend because they play for teams that don't play any defense. And that's why they put up a lot of stats is because their defense gets them the ball right back because, you know, they give up a touchdown. So not the best slate at quarterback this weekend. Um, so what you ended up with is Jalen Milrow is sitting at the top of the board. And 
I think Jalen Milrow is a really solid play. When you look at what he's done against ranked opponents, he has ran the ball more than against non-ranked opponents. You see that he had 15 rushing attempts against Texas, 16 against Ole Miss, 20 against LSU, and 18 against Auburn. Um, Auburn's not even a ranked team, but when the game is close, Milrow runs more. Um, however, Georgia is a nightmare matchup for quarterbacks. They have not given up more than 256 passing yards in a game this season. Care to guess who that was given up to? Spencer Rattler of South Carolina, kind of surprising to me. Um, and they've also not allowed more than 22 fantasy points in a game to a quarterback the entire season. Care to guess who did that? I, I actually think no one's going to guess this one. It was UAB's Jacob Zeno that scored 22 fantasy points from the quarterback position against Georgia. No one's done more than that. So, you know, it's definitely going to be a little bit of an uphill battle for Milrow, but I do love his rushing usage. And I think that this is really intriguing as a game stack option, where if you're playing Milrow, the way that he reaches his ceiling is by somebody on Georgia scoring a lot of points and turning this game into a shootout where he's got to go up and down and keep trying to score and keep being aggressive, right? If Bamba gets a lead in this game, then they're just going to grind the clock out by running the ball and not really creating a whole lot of explosive plays. So I'm really interested in Milrow, even though it's a tough matchup, as a game stacking option here this Saturday. So if I'm, interested in, if I'm interested in Milrow as a game stack, then i got to be interested on Carson Beck on the other side, right? So quarterbacks have had some success against Alabama this season. Quinn Ewers had 30 fantasy points against him. Jane Daniels had 40 fantasy points against him. Um, now, the volume has been down for Carson Beck. He does not generally throw a whole lot of passes. But again, I think he's a solid game stacking option. I think the way that he reaches his ceiling is if this becomes like a you know 41 to 35 type of game or something like that. And so I am very much interested in these two going against each other. The only downside is they're the two most expensive quarterbacks on the board. So you're going to have to find some value elsewhere if you want to complete that game stack. Now, looking down the board from there, you've got Quinn Ewers for Texas. And hey, every time you've got a team that is the highest team total on the slate, you kind of got to be interested in the quarterback, right? Now, Quinn Ewers has been kind of game scripted out of fantasy production in recent weeks. Even the games where they didn't win big in terms of like the final margin of victory. The Houston game, the TCU game, the Iowa State game, they were never really in doubt. They were never really all that close, and they were late rallies by those three teams. And then the Texas Tech game, they won by 50. Like, uh, how, how many times do you want a guy to throw when they're up 40? Like, I just don't know. Um, you know, obviously, he just got game scripted out of it, right? So if this game does end up being a little closer and Texas does end up scoring the 34 points that they're implied, you got to feel like Quinn Ewers is going to be accounting for two or three touchdowns. He can do a little bit of damage with his legs. Um, you know, he had two rushing touchdowns against Kansas and has not had one since. So it could definitely be a good week for Quinn Ewers to get back into, um, you know, a solid fantasy outcome. J.J. McCarthy is kind of a cross-off for me. Um, Michigan has just shown a complete lack of willingness to pass the football in the last three games. And Iowa is a really good defense against the pass. So, um, yeah, he's $8,300 on DraftKings. He's a total cross-off for me. I will not be playing any J.J. McCarthy this weekend. Michael Pratt is another quarterback I'm not super high on. So um, Tulane has had trouble keeping their wide receiver room healthy. And since those wide receivers have gotten injured, it has not been good news for Michael Pratt. He has not topped 21 fantasy points in four straight games. And at a salary of $8,000, you really need at least 24 fantasy points for him to come through with any kind of value. So I just don't really have a whole lot of faith in him doing it. They've been very committed to the run recently because of those, you know, lack of dynamic playmakers at wide receiver. So I really don't think it's a great spot for Michael Pratt either. Daquan Finn for Toledo is a guy that I'm willing to play stacked, unstacked, game stacked, non-stacked, 
whatever. I, I like Daquan Finn. I think he's a good quarterback. He's a really good college football player. Um, he can give you some rushing upside as well. Um, and I think Miami of Ohio is not a bad matchup, but like we talked about in the game segment, um, they're a team that runs the ball so much, they're going to try to control the clock and control the tempo and keep it out of Daquan Finn's hands. However, last time he played Miami of Ohio, they only scored 21 points, Toledo did, and he had 23.8 fantasy points. So um, definitely potential for Daquan Finn to have a big game against Miami. Now, the next guy that I'm interested in is Joey Aguilar of Appalachian State. So I think Aguilar is the perfect cash game quarterback for this week. He's only six or $7,000 on DraftKings, and he's had over 22 fantasy points in eight straight games, which is slightly over three times value for him. Anytime you're getting three times value in eight straight games, that's a super consistent option. It probably means he needs to be priced up a little bit more. So I'm interested in Joey Aguilar in all formats, Cash game, GPP, game stack, non-game stack, whatever, solid option. He, he just consistently produces and produces in this Appalachian State offense. Next up, we have Jordan Mayava. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I've not watched a UNLV game with the sound on this season. Um, I'm sorry, Jaden Mayava. Um, and he's a guy I, I like quite a bit. You know, UNLV runs this up-tempo spread offense that I think is really innovative and creative. Um, he does have a little bit of dual threat upside. He's had some games where he's ran for touchdowns. Um, and UNLV is a really consistent scoring option. Um, they've scored 24 points, 24 real points, I should say, in Every game except for the Michigan game this year. So every time that they played a defense that's quote-unquote on their level, um, they put up 24 points. And um, I think this is a pretty good spot for them against Boise on a game that has the highest game total of the slate. Jade Maiva is definitely going to make some of my lineups. And on the other side, I got to kind of like Taylor Green of Boise State, right? So he is a super low-volume passer. He is a dual-threat guy. I was really excited for this guy heading into the season. I thought he ended the season really strongly last year, and apparently the Boise State coaching staff did not think so because see, they just really didn't give him a whole lot of opportunities to shine. It has not been a great year for Taylor Green, but if you're telling me that we got a quarterback at $6,700 in a game with the highest total on the slate, I'm probably going to be playing a little bit of Taylor Green here this week. Kevin Jennings is the spot starter for SMU. Um, Preston Stone is going to be out of this game. Um, we have not really seen a full game of Kevin Jennings, so I don't really know um, what to make of him. I just know that he's apparently worse than Preston Stone. And I've called SMU um, lovingly the socialist offense, where um, anybody and everybody on that offense can score. You never know who's going to be in the game, who's going to score the touchdown, whatever. So um, I'm not really a huge buyer in that, even though only $6,400, that is an intriguing price tag. The last guy that I'm willing to play down here as a value would be Gunnar Watson of Troy. Um, in terms of a point per dollar play, I think he's a really solid option. Um, you know, we mentioned how that this game between Troy and App State has a total of over 50. Um, and, you know, you got a guy at $6,000 here who's at, who's at 18 fantasy points in five straight games. That's three times value in five straight games. And he's got a pretty steady, you know, passing volume as well. He's passed for at least 27 attempts in all five of those games. Um, four of them have been in the 30s or higher, um, which, you know, in college football is not like a super lot. But for a guy that's only $6,000, you're getting a decent amount of volume in an offense that's projected to put up some points. And he has done pretty solid here the back half of the season. Gunnar Watson would definitely make my player pool as well. So, you know, kind of looking at a hole with the quarterback position, um, I think game stacks might be the way to go this week where you play both quarterbacks from the same game. Um, if I were not to be game stacking, just individually one quarterback play, I only get to pick one. Um, in terms of a points per dollar basis, I'm probably going to go with Joey Aguilar from App State. If I have the cash to pay up, I'd probably be going with Jalen Milrow of Alabama. All right, that does it for the quarterback positions. Let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's talk about the running backs. 
before we get started at the running back position, I do want to mention there are a few places where you can get more information from me. First off, you can follow me on the site formerly known as Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. Um, I do tweet out the DFS rundown for every college football and college basketball slate where I just kind of go go over a few of my favorite categorical plays for that slate. And if there's any injury news that changes my opinions, I do my best to get it out there. But um, injury news usually comes too late in college sports. Um, I'm also in the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on YouTube and on the audio feed. Um, we got a lot of smart people in there who play a lot of DFS, and we're always bouncing ideas off each other, talking lineups, talking plays. Um, and it's just a lot of fun, and it's a great community. Um, if you're looking to Talk about DFS with some people, whether it's college football, college basketball, NBA, NFL, or you're looking to get better at DFS, I, I highly recommend it. Part of, part of the fun of DFS is having somebody to talk about it with. And then also, I do write up a full article for every college football and college basketball slate on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Um, and so basically, you'll get a full article where I profile my core plays, as well as kind of my lineup strategy and attack strategy for the slate. I'm not going to sit here and guarantee that you're going to join and instantly win five GPPs, but I do think that you can join, get a lot of solid information, a lot of building blocks, and a lot of thinking and analysis about the slate that'll help you, you know, make some good decisions and, and make some good decisions and approach the slate. Now, lastly, if you want to try something new this college football season, um, head on over to signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. We are partnering with Signup Expert, and what they do is they give you the best offers and promo codes for new users on any DFS player proper sportsbook site, and it even syncs to your location to show you what's available in your area. So if you're looking to try something new, give their Signup Expert a shot. That was a little tongue twister. Give Sign Up Expert a shot and, and get that offer, get that promo code, um, so that way you can have the best start on whatever site you're looking to venture onto. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about running backs. So sitting at the top of the board is the guy who has been the best running back in all of college football DFS in the last two months, Ollie Gordon II of Oklahoma State. And I've been a big champion of Ollie Gordon II in the last two months. I have. This guy's made me some money. But I got to fade him this week. I mean, y'all kind of knew it was coming, right, with with me being a Texas fan. But to me, this is just a tough, tough matchup. Texas has only given up two 100-yard rushing games the entire season. Care to guess who they were? Dylan Gabriel. Yes, that Dylan Gabriel, quarterback of Oklahoma. And Harrison Whaley, running back at Wyoming. Most of those rushing yards were after the game was well in hand. Um, And so I would just rather spend my salary elsewhere than a guy who is not likely to get 200 yards against one of the nation's best front sevens. Um, And if you look at Ollie Gordon, you know, he succeeds because of his overall workload and he's really good at football, right? But if you look at the game he failed, the UCF game, he only put up 6.2 fantasy points. In that game, he fumbled early, was sat for a possession, and in the meantime, UCF was already up 21 points. And then he's already game scripted out of the game because Oklahoma State's having to throw to try to catch back up. The very a very similar outcome could happen here against Texas where you blink and all of a sudden they're down 14 and they're, they're, they've abandoned the run. Um, and so I kind of think that this would be a game where, uh, of any game, this would be the game to fade Ollie Gordon. However, I think a lot of people share my viewpoint. I think a lot of people are going to fade Ollie Gordon. So if you're telling me that Ollie Gordon's going to come in like, I don't know, less than 5% owned, that's probably going to make him a pretty solid leverage play in GPPs. And we know that he has the upside to get there. Now, after Ali Gordon, you got Blake Corum of Michigan, and we kind of alluded to this um, a while back, but when Michigan gets pushed is when Blake Corum is at his best. If you look at the last three games, he's had 26, 28, and 22 carries, all three against ranked opponents, all three against probably the three best opponents they played all year long, and he's averaged 
about 24 fantasy points in that stretch. Um, and so um, Blake Horn, really solid option. This Iowa team is going to push Michigan a little bit, at least. Even if they're not able to score, they're going to be able to play some defense and, and kind of test Michigan in that way. Um, and I think that running is actually the easier path against this Iowa defense. I think that Iowa's secondary and the way they defend the pass is really good and really sound. And I think you can kind of run on a, a little bit. And so I think that that's going to be the way Michigan wins this game, and it's going to be because of Blake Corum. I would rather play Blake Corum than Ollie Gordon. Now, we do have to talk about the Jonti Holani situation, which sounds like like a political scandal that you would read about in a U.S. history textbook. But the Jonti Holani situation is in the Boise State backfield, where you've got Ashton Jonti, who has been just an elite option in DFS all season long. And then you've got George Holani, who was the starting running back at the start of the season, who is now back. And this situation is one of the hardest running back rooms to quantify in all of college football because of how the two have performed when they've been sharing the same backfield. So in the last two games that they've played, they've both been healthy. They've both returned from the injuries that they both sustained. Um, and Holani has outcarried Jonti in both of those games. In fact, including week one, um, Holani has outcarried Jonti in the last three games that they played together. But Jonti gets the work in the passing game. In the last two games, he caught six total passes, or seven total passes, excuse me, one of which went for a 75-yard touchdown. And when you look at those last two games, the fantasy scoring, um, Jonti has had 18.8 and 45.5 fantasy points on 33 total touches, and he's had an average of 32.2 fantasy points in that game. George Halani has scored 34.7 and 7.6 fantasy points on 33 total touches and averaged 21.2 fantasy points per game. Here's the bottom line. Both these guys are in play because they're going to split it about 50-50, they're gonna, Boise State's going to run the ball till the cows come home, and there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game against UNLV. I think they're both solid options, but I think which one you play depends on the game flow that you expect to happen. Jonti is more of a shootout type of play where if Boise is having to throw a little bit more, he's going to get more of the passing game work. If you think Boise you know, goes up early and kind of paces this game from ahead, that might fit Halani's skill set more of just you know straight ahead running and grinding out clock. So I think both these guys are in play. I think whichever one you pick depends on what you think the outcome of the game is going to be. Like if you're looking to game stack this one, I'm much more likely to game stack it with Jonti. If you're looking for a one-off play, I think it'd be much more likely that your one-off play would be Helani. That's, that's just how I feel about these two. But they've both shown in the last two weeks with the fact that combined they've averaged about 50 fantasy points in the last two weeks. They both got to be in play here against UNLV. Penny Boone of Toledo has been the most consistent option. Whoops at the running back position here in this slate. Clicked on the wrong name there. Penny Boone has scored at least 21 fantasy points in the last four games. He's averaging 31.3 fantasy points in that span, and he has been a workhorse back down the stretch for Toledo. At the start of the season, he was splitting a lot of carries with Jacquez Stewart. That has changed. Penny Boone is now the workhorse back. He's got a solid matchup against Miami of Ohio. The only cause of concern would be that the first time that he played Miami of Ohio, the workload was there. He had 17 carries, only 73 yards. Yards, no touchdowns, no use in the passing game either. Um, that'd be the only cause of concern, but I think he would be a really solid cash game running back option because of the workload he's getting and his ability to consistently churn out fantasy points. Now, the FSU Louisville game has two running backs that I'm going to mention because they're both home run hitters. 
Um, Jawar Jordan and Trey Benson both have a tendency to break off long touchdown runs, and I think they have to be in your player pool and GPPs for that reason. I don't think I don't really think this game is super appealing to target because of these two offenses right now. With you know Georgia or Florida State playing with the backup quarterback, Louisville's been struggling recently, so. Um, I don't really know what to make of this whole game, but what I do know is that both these guys have a, a chance of breaking off an 80-yard touchdown run, and you're going to want them in your lineup if they happen to do that. Kamani Vidal has seen one of the most consistent workloads in all of um, college football DFS the entire season. Um, he seems like he never misses a game, and it seems like he never misses a snap. If you think that App State and Troy turns into a shootout and you don't think Troy's able to pass the ball, well, then Kamani Vidal would be your guy at $7,000. Kendall Milton is a name that I do need to talk about. He is the Georgia running back that I would prefer. He has outscored Dejan Edwards in each of Georgia's last three games. This, the carries are virtually 50-50, but Milton's effectiveness has been much more, and I think you can kind of attribute that to his slow start to the season and then kind of coming back from injury because he seems more fresh. He seems more explosive right now than Dejan Edwards, and for that reason, I would rather play him than Dejan Edwards in this Georgia backfield. However, they are going against Alabama, so you can fade it entirely if you choose to. Makai Hughes of Tulane is another interesting option. They have really leaned on this ground game in recent weeks with, um, you know, all of their wide receivers banged up. Um, you know, you've seen Makai Hughes get at least 19 carries in eight straight games, dating all the way back to week five. Um, but SMU is a tough run defense, so they're statistically one of the top 25 rush defenses in the country. So the workload is going to be there for Makai Hughes, but not necessarily the matchup. Rashad Amos of Miami, Ohio is an interesting to me because Miami of Ohio, all they do is run. They, they play a backup quarterback now that even all he does is run. So um, if they're going to win this game, it's going to be because they're able to run the football. And um, against Toledo the first time, 10 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. That's That doesn't sound like a whole lot, but it's five and a half yards per carry. And if the carry numbers goes up, then you could see a big game out of Rashad Amos. Now, the Texas running back situation is an interesting one to talk about. So, Jaden Blue is priced higher because he was more effective against Texas Tech. Like, I get it. But C.J. Baxter is the starter. Don't get it twisted. Um, C.J. Baxter got a little bit banged up in that Texas game, and they basically said, hey, we're up 40. You don't need to play anymore. Um, and so, he could have played if it were a closer game. I don't think his injury is anything serious, and I think that he will return to this game, and he will be the starter. Texas wants C.J. Baxter to be the starter. He was a big-time recruit. He's really talented. I think he's really good. The only thing that he's kind of lacked so far is Jonathan Brooks, the starter for this team who tore his ACL. Um, Jonathan Brooks breaks off explosive runs because he's really good at making that last guy miss once he gets to the second level. C.J. Baxter does all the right things to get to that second level and just hasn't made that guy miss very often in his career yet. So I really do like C.J. Baxter in this game against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State ranks 91st in the nation, surrendering 4.6 yards per carry. Um, and I do think that if Baxter is active, he is the guy you want out of that Texas backfield. Now, App State is another interesting situation that we got to talk about. Um, Nate Noel was their workhorse running back at the start of the season, and he has been banged up. Um, he left the JMU game early, did not play in their last game to Georgia State. And what you saw in that game was Kanye Roberts led the team in rushing, rushed for 100 yards, had 24.6 fantasy points. Um, he's only $5,300, so if Noel gets declared out, then um, you might get a big game out of Kanye Roberts, but the reporting on this situation has been quite poor, if I have to be honest. You know, we didn't even know Nate Noel was going to be out of that game until, like, after it happened, or from tweets from fans in the stands saying, what's the deal with Noel? Why is he in street clothes? Um, and also, another thing that's interesting is um, Anderson Castle, 
um, was listed as the starter and announced in the stadium as the starter for that Georgia State game. Um, he had six carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown in that game. So maybe Anderson Castle might be a value play where if you need to just punt the running back position, you can go to $3,400 Anderson Castle, and that can be your punt play. Now, a situation that I will be absolutely avoiding at all costs is the socialist offense, SMU. Um, they got even more socialist last week when they decided to not tell us who wasn't playing. Um, so LJ Johnson Jr. had been their best back um, in the last month, and he was just a surprise healthy scratch against um, Memphis. Never given a reason, never you know, explained, expanded on. No one really asked about it. It's super weird. I don't understand it, but He's apparently back this week, but I don't want any part of that. Jalen Knight in the Miami transfer, who's arguably their most talented back, has been banged up, and he's back this week. So, um, And the guy who started last week, Tyler Levine, is also going to be there. So I just don't know what to make of the SMU backfield, so I'm just not going to play any of them. That, that's how I feel about it. All right, so that does it for the running back position. Let's go ahead and take another quick breather, and then let's talk about the wideouts. Before we start talking about the wide receivers, I do want to say if you like what you're seeing on YouTube or like what you're listening to on the audio feed, please like the video and rate and review the podcast. It really does help me out a lot. I cannot express that enough. You guys are the absolute best, and, and the only way I can get this channel bigger is with you guys' help. So um, hit that like button. It'll help the videos get noticed. Like I said, I really do appreciate it. And hit that subscribe button while you're at it. We're closing in on 250 subscribers, which is quite a big milestone on YouTube considering we just started YouTube in June. And uh, it'll make us halfway there to 500. So um, every little bit counts. If you hit that subscribe button, it really does help me out a lot. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the wide receivers now. So as always, when it comes to college football DFS, I'm a proponent of stacking your wide receivers with your quarterbacks. So um, if you've already made your decision about what quarterbacks to play, that makes your decision about what wide receivers to play a little bit easier. So this segment's going to be more about um, how do you stack these wide receivers up and who can be played you know, as a part of not a stack in a lineup. So um, let's go ahead and start at the top of the board with the Georgia guys, Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey. First off, I expect both of them to play. It's the SEC championship game. They're playing for their college football playoff lives. Um, they're going to be out there. And Brock Bowers has scored touchdowns in both of his career games against Alabama. Um, and that kind of makes him a little bit of an intriguing option, right? Lad McConkey, I don't think is a super great play at $6,400. But here's the bottom line with these Georgia wide receivers is if Bowers and McConkey are out there, it makes all the other guys essentially useless. Um, and so I kind of like really, if I was targeting Georgia guys, I would probably just pick one of these guys to play with Carson Beck and it would probably be Brock Bowers. The only downside is that gets pretty expensive and you're going to have to find some value um, for the rest of your lineup if that is your stack. Now, on the Alabama side, because of how much uh, Jalen Milrow runs, I think you can play Jalen Milrow unstacked with no wide receivers, no problem. Um, if you're going to play him, though, the only two guys that have shown any kind of life in recent weeks have been Jermaine Burton, who has over 20 fantasy points in back-to-back -back weeks, and then Isaiah Bond, um, who had 18 against Auburn last week and caught the touchdown, heard around the world on 4th and 31. Um, last week, when, uh, Alabama went a little relatively pass heavy. Um, I wouldn't say pass heavy in traditional sense, but pass heavy for their offense this season. Um, and in that game against Auburn, Bond saw eight total targets and Burton saw five. So if this offense is passing, those are the two guys they're going to be passing to. Now for UNLV, Ricky White is a one-man wrecking crew, and, and I believe he is a transfer from Michigan State. And it is wild to think that Michigan State had Keon Coleman, 
Jaden Reed of the Packers and Ricky White here at UNLV all in their receiving room at the same time, and we're not a good college football offense. It's kind of incredible. Anyway, Ricky White, one-man wrecking crew. He has had 16 fantasy points in six straight games, and he has had at least five catches in all six of those games. On the season, uh, credit to Chris K on Twitter for this stat, he owns a 35.9% target share. If you play NFL fantasy football and you hear target shares get talked about a lot, the good receivers in the NFL are at about like 25-ish. And Ricky White has 35 for this UNLV offense. So you're looking at highest game total of the day, highest target share on the slate. Ricky White is a slam dunk of a play at the wide receiver position if you can afford it in terms of salary. Now, the only other wide receiver who's really making any kind of dent um, has been Jacob DeJesus, um, he's the only one who's kind of playing consistently. 46 catches on the year is not a terrible number. If you're looking to pivot off of Ricky White or just punt the position entirely, Jacob DeJesus is not a bad option. Now for Boise State, um, pretty much all their best wide receivers from the start of the season are either injured or already in the transfer portal. Um, and so the three receivers that they're trotting out there are Louder, Bowens, and Bolt. Um, none of them have really done a whole lot in recent weeks, but they're out there on the field, and if you're out there on the field in a game that's got a high total, you got a chance to score a touchdown. So um, if you're looking to play the Boise passing game, Louder, Bowens, and Bolt, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't really have any lean between the two of them or the three of them. Bowens is the most experienced. Bolt is the guy who gets the deep targets. Louder is the guy who's been the best, but it's kind of a mess, and if I would really only play that in a game stack or a pure punt situation. Now for the Louisville passing offense, um, Jamari Thrash has seen kind of a lesser role than he had at the start of the season. Um, we talked about at the start of the season how receiver ones in the Jeff Brom offense tend to absolutely eat, and he was doing that for the first half of the season. The second half of the season, he just hasn't. Um, but last week against Kentucky, six catches, 60 yards, started to show you know a little bit of what we saw early in the season. Um, what I think needs to happen is you know, if Louisville pulls off the upset, it, it might just happen to come by feeding Jamari Thrash. And so um, I think he's a guy that can be played out of a game stack. Um, he's a guy who has shown us a lot of upside. I don't necessarily think he has a lot of upside this week, but he's shown it on the season. And, and there's definitely worse plays out there than Jamari Thrash. Now on the FSU side, these guys have gotten significantly priced down for good reason, because Jordan Travis is no longer playing and you've got Tate Rodemaker, who's not terrible. But he didn't look that great against Florida. Um, and I think that these price tags on these guys are very reasonable, though. Um, so Keon Coleman, he's a guy who catches a lot of touchdowns. Um, and then Johnny Wilson is a guy who last week was targeted 11 times against Florida. So clearly Rotomaker had some kind of connection with Wilson that would make him target him 11 times. I think that Wilson might be a little bit of an intriguing one-off play for that reason because you wouldn't need Rotomaker to throw for 300 yards for Johnny Wilson to produce value at only $4,900. Next up is going to be the Texas Longhorns, who have one of the, and I've been thank you, thankful and appreciative of this all season long, they have one of the most concentrated passing game offenses in all of college football. You've got Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell, who are both going to be first or second round picks in next year's NFL draft. They're really good football players. Worthy is a guy who is going to see more total volume. Um, Mitchell is a guy who is going to get the lucrative targets, though, deep targets and red zone targets. Um, and both of them are in play for me. I think if you're playing Quinn Ewers, you can play both of them. That's totally fine in my book. And then you've also got the supporting cast of characters. Jordan Whittington plays the slot role. He's out there the entire game. Um, and he's only $3,800. 
And look, I got to be honest, if you're playing a cheap wide receiver, why not play a guy like Whittington who you know is A, going to be out on the field and B, in the team offense that's got the highest total on the slate. So I definitely think there's worse value plays out there than Jordan Whittington. You've also got the tight end, Jatavion Sanders, who, oh, by the way, is also going to be a first round pick in the next NFL draft. Um, Hasn't done a whole lot lately since returning from injury, but I think he's kind of a sleeping giant. He's out on the field all the time. He's only $3,700 and he is a matchup nightmare for defenses. So this Texas offense, I think you can kind of, if you're looking to play one as a one-off play, I think Worthy or punting Whittington and Sanders would be the option. If you're looking to stack up with Quinn Ewers, I would probably rather stack Mitchell with Quinn Ewers, but Worthy, Whittington, and Sanders are also options as well in that regard. Now, on the Oklahoma State side, they've also been pretty concentrated over recent weeks, which makes this kind of an appealing game stack if you think this game stays close. Spoiler alert, I don't. But if you think this game stays close, um, then I think that these would be three guys you can target. Actually, I shouldn't be that confident heading into this game. Texas always breaks my heart. But um, anyway, um, Oklahoma State. Where where was I? Oh, yes. Very concentrated passing offense. Brandon Presley running routes from the slot. He is a target machine. Um, You know, 19 fantasy points against BYU, 36.7 against Houston. Um, And then you've got Leon Johnson, who ever since the first game he's played in week nine has been a pretty darn solid fantasy option. He scored in double-digit fantasy points in every game that he has suited up this season. And then you've got Rashad Owens, who is a PPR machine. He gets a lot of very, very short targets. Um, But these three guys are the three that are going to be getting the targets, and they're all three in between $5,500 and $4,800. If you think that this game stays close, play at least one of them, because I guarantee you that if this game is close, one of them is going to be getting you um, at least three times value on this slate. Now, two more games to talk about. Um, For App State, um, Christian Horn is their wide receiver one, and he has been banged up over the last month. Um, You know, he was barely on the field in the um, Georgia State game. And then on the Georgia Southern game, he had two catches. Um, So he just hasn't been 100%. And what that's allowed is Caden Robinson has absolutely gone off. Caden Robinson has accounted for 56 fantasy points in his last two games. Um, With Christian Horn banged up, Caden Robinson seems like a really solid play to me. Um, And then you've also seen Eli Wilson um, kind of come through with a bigger role in the last two weeks as well. I think Christian Horn plays this game, but I don't know if he is 100% back to being the wide receiver one that he is at the start of the season, or if you're going to see Caden Robinson featured more in that role for the App State Mountaineers. Either way, I think if you're stacking with Aguilar, you've got two really solid options in Horn and Robinson. I would probably only play one of them, if I'm being honest, simply because I think that one of them is going to ascend to that role. Um, And Robinson's the guy who has had it with Christian Horn banged up, but Christian Horn was the guy who had it at the start of the season before he got hurt. Now, on the Troy side of things, they've got two receivers that they feature, and they're both super affordable on DraftKings. Like, this has um, JMU in the middle of the season vibes where Brown and Surratt were just supremely underpriced. And these guys aren't that good, but they're still pretty darn underpriced, in my opinion. You have got Chris Lewis and then Jabri Barber. Um, Chris Lewis has been really solid, but I would prefer to play Barber over Lewis. And the reason why is because Barber has about double the catches of Lewis and half the touchdowns. So Barber is a guy who gets more consistent volume week in and week out. He just doesn't find the end zone as often. And so if, you know, kind of the touch the touchdown regression kicks in, you've got to feel like Barber's going to be the one that has it going in his favor. And at only $4,400, he makes a great play this week. Now, I'm not going to talk about the full games here, but Toledo, we've seen on the midweek matching slates quite a lot. And I've complained about um, 
in my articles on Patreon how expensive Jerwan Newton is. And he's priced down at $4,700 now. He, he is their wide receiver one, and I think that's an affordable and reasonable price tag for him. And then you've got Junior Vandeross, who has kind of been pretty solid in his role as the wide receiver two for Toledo as well. If you're playing Daquan Finn, I think those would be the two guys that you would want to roll with. Now, I'm not going to talk about any Miami of Ohio receivers because all they do is run the ball. not going to talk about any Michigan or Iowa wide receivers. Pretty self-explanatory there. Uh, SMU Tulane is the last one we got to talk about. So Tulane, we've mentioned how banged up their wide receiver room is. Well, they're likely to get Jaquan, Baxen, or ja Jaquan Jackson back. That was difficult to say. They're likely to get Jaquan Jackson back this week, which makes him a, a viable fantasy option, in my opinion. He generally gets deep targets, um, and all it would take would be one to hit value. Um, Chris Brazell has been outstanding um, with Jackson and Lawrence Keys hurt, but um, if, if Jackson's coming back, I'm not as interested in Brazell in this game. And then SMU, we've mentioned it. You know what's coming, the socialist offense. And I say that lovingly. I don't say it as an insult, but they give the ball to everybody. They give everybody snaps. They give everybody an opportunity to shine. And you never know who's going to score the touchdown for SMU because they give them out to everybody. So I would probably be avoiding this passing game, especially considering they have a backup quarterback taking on Tulane. All right, that does it for the wide receiver position. And that does it for the Saturday of conference championship week DFS slate. Remember, we will be back for bowl season, but this was our last big time college football preview. So there's a little bit of bittersweetness there. Um, but if you want more information from me, you can follow me on X at Mike's Money Picks. Um, you can join the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description. It's 100% free. And then I've got my full articles on the Patreon. Those are not 100% free, but um, if you want to read those, they are there for you. Um, and then that pretty much does it for this episode, yes. So, um, you know, best of luck to all of your DFS endeavors this week. Come back for bowl season because we are going to be having episodes for bowl season. I, I can guarantee you that. Come back for bowl season. Check out the college basketball content as well. If you subscribe to the channel and subscribe to the audio feed, you can get notified when new those new episodes drop. Um, but other than that, y'all, that pretty much wraps us up here. Hopefully, I was able to give you guys some information that will help you win some money in DFS this weekend. Best of luck to you in all of your DFS endeavors. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Before you go, hook them horns, and I will see you next time.